This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. I'm Jake Neer with Automotive News in Detroit, in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Cruise is now recalling 950 of its robo-taxis. Renault cuts a big part of its stake in Nissan, and keeping AM radio in EVs could cost automakers almost $4 billion. Plus, we'll take a listen to the latest and final episode of our podcast series, Driving to Zero, exploring the biggest challenges ahead for the auto industry's attempt to cut carbon emissions. These automakers have made good pledges about decarbonization, but they're not quite saying we're doing everything we can right now Mm -hmm. before they get there. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Cruise is recalling 950 driverless cars from the roads across the U.S., and the company may withdraw more. The move follows an accident involving one of Cruise's robo-taxis in San Francisco last month. A pedestrian was struck by a hit-and-run driver and thrown into an adjacent lane and was hit a second time by a cruise robo-taxi that was not able to stop in time. According to NHTSA's website, the collision detection system of the cruise automated driving software may improperly respond after a crash. The website shows that Cruise has deployed an over-the-air software update on all of its supervised test fleet vehicles. It says all affected driverless vehicles will also be repaired before returning to service. Late last month, Cruise said it would suspend all operations nationwide after the California Department of Motor Vehicles ordered the robo-taxi operator to remove its driverless cars from state roads. This also comes a day after General Motors, which has a majority stake in Cruise, said it's temporarily halting production of its fully autonomous Cruise Origin van. Renault has cut its stake in Nissan to 15%, down from about 43%. Renault is cutting its stake by placing more than 28% of the Japanese automaker in a French trust, putting them on equal footing. The automakers say the new agreement for the restructured alliance between Renault, Nissan, and their junior partner Mitsubishi Motors comes into effect today. Nissan and Renault finalized the terms of the deal in July after unveiling a sweeping overhaul of their partnership in London early this year. That came after months of intense negotiation amid the Japanese automakers' concerns about protecting its intellectual property in future collaborations. Rivian boosted its 2023 production forecast to 54,000 vehicles. That's a 2,000-vehicle increase over its previous forecast. The EV maker made the announcement during its third-quarter sales report, which highlighted improving vehicle margins and potential new commercial van buyers after it ended an exclusivity agreement with Amazon. CEO R.J. Scaringe said the automaker is making progress on its road to profitability through increased output of its R1T pickup, R1S crossover, and the EDV vans it makes for Amazon. 
It also is working to cut costs and find new fleet buyers for its electric vans. Rivian is still burning through cash, despite progress on production and costs. The company reported a net loss of $1.4 billion for the third quarter. That's compared with a loss of $1.7 billion a year earlier. Revenue for the July to September period was more than $1.3 billion, which is about what Wall Street expected. And keeping AM radio in new vehicles, including EVs, could cost automakers billions of dollars over the next seven years. That's according to a new report from the Center for Automotive Research and the Alliance for Automotive Innovation. Researchers found that reducing the electromagnetic interference generated by EVs, which can distort AM radio signals, is, quote, challenging and could lead to added costs for vehicle manufacturers. Through 2030, The report says automakers could face a cumulative cost of up to $3.8 billion to address the interference that disrupts AM radio reception in EVs. The report comes amid a bipartisan effort in Congress to prevent automakers from eliminating AM broadcast radio in new vehicles, including electric models. Lawmakers argue AM radio is still critical during large-scale emergencies. And those are today's headlines coming up. We'll hear about some of the biggest challenges ahead for auto companies hoping to cut their carbon footprints. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jake Neer with Kellen Walker. The auto industry's investments in cutting its carbon emissions on the road and in its plants 
are now reaching into the hundreds of billions of dollars. While automakers and their suppliers are going full force into a world of zero emissions, there are still significant barriers in the way. That's what we look at in our latest and final episode of our special podcast series, Driving to Zero. Here's a piece of that episode. Paramal Arumagam leads the mitigation division for the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, or the UNFCCC. Often people, they say UNFCCCC. Uh, <laughs> sometimes people use four Cs, uh, which we do not know which is the fourth C. Uh, so often now we call, like when people speak, they normally say UN Climate Change Secretariat. Could be cool or it could be... Uh... Yeah, the cool climate secretariat. Yeah. There you go, there you go. Paramal says the UNFCCC essentially acts as the chief accountability office for the Paris Climate Agreement. He says we're entering a critical period for climate action, and the news so far isn't good. The science is quite clear. Like, we have been listening alarming bells from IPCC, etc. We are still off the track. He says some of the big reasons include a lack of finance globally for climate-saving projects and methods, trade-offs and synergies between development and climate, and last but not least in his mind, effective pricing on carbon. Once you have to pay a price for what you are emitting, you start looking at opportunities to reduce. So it, it brings the culture of identifying an opportunity to reduce within a given sector. That paves way for technological innovation. Regardless of the prescription, he says the transportation sector is a massive part of the diagnosis. In 2021, the global CO2 emissions from the transportation sector is like around 7.7 gigatons, which is like huge in, in terms of like it's four and a half to five percent of the total global emissions. Now, a significant amount of those emissions are coming from the shipping and aviation industries. But Paramal says the auto industry still has a very important role to play. In fact, he says it's uniquely positioned to set an example to the rest of the world about how different sectors can work together to make the massive changes needed to save our climate. I think automotive industry is one area which will be a right blend between a producer and a consumer. And then if you have international financing community and the investment community putting billions and billions and dollars towards technological changes to look at transformative and paradigm shift within the transportation sector, this can offer a template. For example, remember earlier in the series when we talked about the changing relationship between automakers and electric utilities in the shift to electric vehicles? Paramal says this is another unique opportunity to show how business leaders can help transform adjacent industries. Okay, you can produce EV vehicles, but then you need to have storage, you need to have charging stations. So how this system works may also be a template which can work for an energy sector, for example, in its supply chain and the value chain. But let's look at that switch to EVs. Paramal says it's an example of another big challenge, the inherently slow speed at which these kinds of solutions move. The number of vehicles that are on the road today, the stock of the vehicles, is 15 times more than the annual new car sales that are happening globally. Vehicles are very long life products. The average age of vehicles on the road in the U.S. today is over 12 years. And so even if we stop building internal combustion vehicles today, 
you'd be looking at decades to replace the 290 million registered vehicles that are on the road today. That's Sam Abu al-Samad, a principal research analyst leading Guidehouse Insights' e-mobility division. Guidehouse is a global consulting firm. Sam's team, in part, helps clients develop their strategies on a broad range of areas where companies are trying to decarbonize. I spoke with him and his colleague, Mike Austin, a senior research analyst at Guidehouse. Mike echoes those worries about decarbonizing vehicles on the road, even under the best case scenario. So even if nationwide we're above 30% of new EV sales by 2030, it's still less than 10% of the vehicle population. So we have all this effort and all this energy, and, and it takes a long time to set up those pieces in the supply chain to get to EV volume. And even with all that effort and even with all of these increasing sales, it's still, you know, a fraction of the cars on the road. And Sam and Mike say there's also plenty of things standing in the way of that best case scenario for EV adoption. Sam says one of the biggest barriers might just be the consumer. The problem is consumers are not rational. Consumers buy for their worst case scenario, which is why you see so many people driving around in full-size SUVs and pickup trucks that really don't need them. But they buy what they think they might want or need at some on some hypothetical day. But most of the time, they don't need it. And Mike says one of the best solutions is one that automakers and customers alike probably won't accept. On a societal level, if we want to decarbonize transportation, the biggest thing you can do is not drive. Mm-hmm. And which kind of runs contrary to what the automakers are doing, which is trying to sell cars. Right. Um, but also, again, you have an irrational consumer where you, know, you could say you, you could live in a one-car household or you could use a bike or you could take public transit. Some of that we don't have set up. There's a lot of car dependency in the U.S. all over. So, so there is a, a, lot of, a lot of the question of how do we reduce our overall carbon emissions falls on things that the automakers can't handle. But Sam and Mike say there are so many reasons not to throw in the towel on decarbonizing our roadways. In the last episode, we talked about the promise of technologies, including solid-state batteries. Sam thinks those faster-charging batteries and better-charging infrastructure could make EV ownership appealing to a lot more Americans. As charging gets better, becomes more available and more reliable. That's the key is the reliability and also faster. You know, if you've got a 150-mile EV that can recharge in 10 or 15 minutes, that solves a lot of the problem. And if you know that you're going to be able to pull into that charging station, plug it in, and it's going to work, that addresses most of the problem. Above and beyond the product, they're also optimistic about broader decarbonizing efforts as long as automakers keep ramping those up, which is still a question. Maybe it's a little cynical, but these automakers have made good pledges about decarbonization, but they're not quite saying we're doing everything we can right now Mm -hmm. before they get there. But Mike says auto companies are slowly but surely realizing the real economic benefits of cutting carbon in their industrial practices beyond just the marketing benefit of attention-grabbing headlines. Carbon neutrality is cool and fashionable now. A lot of corporations, not just automakers, like to tout it. Some of it is is playing a little fuzzy with the rules, like, you know, a carbon sequestration or, or, you know, carbon credits from forests, and there's not necessarily great accounting with that, or there's there's cases where that's being abused. And I, I don't really expect that 
most corporations are going to say, you know, no, listen, we're not doing any carbon credits. We are like 100% carbon free. All of our electricity is, is renewable. There's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't do it. But as an optimist, I would also say the things that are coming along are going to help that. Even if a corporation didn't want to be carbon neutral, if you look at things like the advancements in, in solar and wind and how the cost of generation has dropped over time, as we're electrifying transportation, as renewables become more usable and more integrated into the grid, all of these things are just going to make a stronger business case, not just a marketing case, for that decrease carbonization. So I'm hoping for the best. And he says perhaps the most likely thing to propel the industry towards zero emissions is the thing we don't even know about yet. We can't predict where a lot of this is gonna go. It's super early. And there's a bunch of things that we you won't anticipate 10 years from now might be a big deal. I mean, everyone points to the iPhone as the example, but you know, when the iPhone came out, you wouldn't have expected that it would be able to warn you of, of health risks because of you know something it detected in, in your watch. Similarly, we're not gonna, you know, we don't know that about electrification and batteries and the changing transportation landscape, but it's all interconnected. So you know, the more that you can put those pieces together and maybe make guesses at what's going to fit together or what's going to be that catalyst to make a bunch of change, that's where you're going to find the clearest picture in your crystal ball. Driving to Zero is a special podcast series from Automotive News. You can find all full episodes wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jake Neer in for Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News journalists Lawrence Iliff and Audrey LaForest for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, autonomous vehicles, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a preview of this year's LA Auto Show. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.